In this episode of Cauldron Capsule, we'll be discussing who killed Robert Wone, and there's actually a documentary coming out on Peacock on March 7th about this case specifically, so I thought I would get ahead of the game and talk about it, and I've never heard of the case actually, um, so I was interested in learning about it and interested in seeing kind of what the outcome was of the case. If you don't know who I am, my name is Kayla. I have a podcast on this channel called Cauldron Convos. On that, we post the paranormal, spine-chilling, true crime topics that you definitely want to hear. They're a little bit longer episodes, 30 minutes. I have a co-host in an alien mask. So if you're interested in that, make sure to hit the subscribe button and go check out those videos as well. But this is kind of the shorter ones, a little bit more serious, a little bit calmer, that sort of thing. But anyway, without further ado, let's get into who killed Robert Wohn. Now, the night of the murder, it was August 2006. Robert Eric Wohn was 32 years old. He was an American lawyer living in Oakton, Virginia, but had been working as general counsel at Radio Free Asia, a nonprofit in downtown Washington. And on this particular night in August, Wohn slept at home of a friend's located just one mile away from his office as he was working late. His friend's name was Joe Price, and he lived in a home with his domestic partner, Victor Zaborski. They also lived with a man named Dylan Ward, and they were in a polyamorous relationship as a family. Now, Robert Wohn arrived at Joe Price's home at approximately 10.30 p.m. Now, neighbors reportedly heard a scream, later identified as Victor Zaborski's, during the 11 p.m. newscast, which ended before 11.35. Zaborski made a 911 call at 11.49 p.m. Paramedics arrived five minutes later, followed by the police officers from the Metropolitan Police Department. Robert Wohn was stabbed, and according to police affidavits, Wohn was believed to have been, quote, restrained, incapacitated, and sexually assaulted before his death. Additionally, Joe Price called Robert Wohn's wife that night later after he called 911. Wohn was pronounced dead at George Washington University that same night, I guess in the morning of August 3rd at 12.24 a.m. Now let's get into the investigation of the case because it's crazy, the outcome. Price, Zaborski, and Ward all initially spoke with the police without attorneys, and all three men denied involvement in his death. Additionally, they also all denied any type of sexual relationship with Wone and claimed that the murder was committed by an intruder that they didn't know the identity of. However, we later find out that there are no signs of forced entry, um, and it is kind of hard to believe that some random intruder would come in, not steal anything, just stab one of the people living in the home and sexually assault them and leave. Um, but anyway, let's move on. The house where Wone was murdered was 1509 Swan Street. Paramedics that responded to the emergency call, quote, found the three residents calm behavior unusual. None were screaming or even helping direct the paramedics. Now, one could argue, you know, you can't kind of predict a reaction from someone, but if a paramedic who's probably been in this situation sometimes, maybe not a murder, but at least, you know, someone seeing someone dead, I think that they know kind of a normal reaction versus one that's, you know. Within days of the murder, police publicly alleged that the crime scene had been tampered with, but no charges were filed for over two years. According to Ward's attorney, detectives who interrogated the three housemates on the night of the murder informed them that they were the main suspects in the case and asked many 
sexually charged accusatory questions. Now, three days after the murder, the gay and lesbian liaison unit of the MPDC were actually called in, but the unit head declined to discuss the unit's involvement. Investigators spent more than three weeks examining the row house in detail, removing flooring, pieces of walls, a chunk of staircase, the washing machine, even sink traps. Allegations that the area around Wohn's body had been cleaned were revealed in an affidavit in support of a search warrant for Price's offices at the D.C. law firm of Errant Fox. About three months after Wohn's death, there was actually a burglary in the same home that Wohn was murdered in. Now, it came to be that Price's brother, so the friend of Wohn that he was staying at his house, um, Michael, and an accomplice named Phelps Collins burgled the Swan Street residence. And these two men stole about seven grand worth of electronics um, and such, and they were charged with the burglary originally, but those charges were later dropped. In 2007, the MPDC revealed that they had been preparing to make an arrest in the Wone murder case in 2006, but that the burglary had actually derailed those plans, which is a little bit fishy. Um, police actually haven't revealed the name of the arrest target nor the charges that would have been filed, so we still don't know why the burglary, you know, stopped this arrest from happening. Let's go into 2007, the one-year anniversary of Robert Wong's murder. A year later, in August 2007, the Washington Post reported the frustration of Wong's widow, Catherine Wong, with the FBI crime lab. It has been trying at times as we continue to wait for the FBI to complete their analysis of all the samples that were taken. Quote, a year later, the case had been transferred to three separate prosecutors, earning it vagabond status in the U.S. Attorney's Office. In 2007, during the first anniversary of Robert Wohn's death, his widow held a press conference to appeal for public assistance in finding the killer's first public comment on the case. The Organization of Chinese Americans used this anniversary as well of Wong's death to criticize the police's inaction in the investigation. Now, nothing really happened again until the year of 2008. So now we're two years post-murder. No one's charged. No one's arrested. Um, but here in October 2008, an obstruction of justice charge was filed against the housemate Dylan Ward, who had since moved to Miami-Dade County, Florida, and was living in a home actually owned by Price. In November 2008, Price and Zaborski were arrested and also charged with obstruction of justice. So just one month later, um, the couple was also arrested in addition to their housemate that they were kind of in a polygamous why can't I say it? Maybe that word scares me a little. <laughs> a family with. All three men were later released pending trial, but subject to electronic monitoring as well as curfews. In December 2008, additional charges of conspiracy were filed against all three men. During the same hearing, the electronic monitoring and curfew restrictions for the three defendants were ended, and prosecutors announced the possibility that charges related to tampering with evidence could be filed in the future. The affidavit filed by authorities supporting the arrest warrant for Dylan Ward revealed that investigators had concluded the men were in fact not telling the truth about what had happened. The report stated, quote, The evidence demonstrates that Robert Wohn was restrained, incapacitated, sexually assaulted, and murdered inside 1509 Swan Street. And there exists overwhelming evidence far in excess of probable cause that Price, Zaborski, and Ward had, quote, obstructed justice by altering and orchestrating the crime scene, planting evidence, 
delaying the reporting of the murder to the authorities, and lying to the police about the true circumstances of the murder. Lawyers for all three of the men called the affidavit speculation, innuendo, assumptions, and irrelevant inflammatory comments. Now, we know Price and Zaborski were domestic partners, but the affidavit alleged that Price had previously had a sexual relationship with Ward as well, the other roommate in the family. The Washington attorney, Dale Sanders, stated that the release of the affidavit was intended to turn one of the housemates, probably Ward, who's like not in currently in the relationship, against the other two. Officials believe that a knife from the kitchen had been smeared with blood and placed near the body, while a duplicate of the knife that was missing from a set found in Ward's bedroom would have been more consistent with the wounds to Wone's body. The autopsy revealed evidence of some degree of suffocation and puncture marks on his neck, chest, foot, as well as hand. No toxins were found in Wone's blood, but because there wasn't much evidence of struggle, investigators suspected that Wone was injected with a paralytic agent. Interestingly, cadaver dogs found blood residue in a dryer lint trap and the patio drain as well, which is crazy that cadaver dogs could even do this. As a result, the detectives believe this may be evidence that someone washed themselves off in the back patio area and dried their wet clothes in the dryer, which, uh... I mean, yeah, I feel like that's pretty reasonable to assume. A Washington City paper columnist reported criticism of the medical examiner's failure to test for drugs and to keep a sample of Wone's blood for later testing in addition to criticism of the detective's failure to follow up on the lint trap that had attracted the dog's attention in the first place. So now we get into the civil lawsuit, which was also in 2008. Now, on November 25th, 2008, Wone's widow, Catherine, filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Price, Zaborski, and Ward, largely based on the police affidavit. The lawsuit alleged, quote, defendant's negligent failure to rescue Robert Wone after he was injured, defendant's destruction of evidence of Robert Wone's murder, and defendant's conspiracy to destroy evidence and obstruct the police investigation into Robert Wone's murder. So we'll get to the result of that, but uh, because I'm doing this in chronological order, I want to get into 2009 first. So just keeping you guys on your toes, I guess. 2009. In April 2009, prosecutors disclosed that two emails had actually been drafted on Wone's BlackBerry, quote, at a time when prosecutors believed Wone dead. Previously, a court filing indicated that the government intended to release a personal profile that Price allegedly used on alt.com, which was a sexually oriented website specializing in S&M practices. Formal defense in the conspiracy case began on June 17, 2010 and concluded without any of the defendants testifying. On June 29th, Judge Lynn Leibovitz found each of the three men not guilty of charges of conspiracy, obstruction of justice, and tampering with evidence. Leibowitz, in explaining her ruling for almost an hour from the bench, stated that she personally believed that the men knew who killed Wone, but was not convinced beyond a reasonable doubt that they committed the offenses with which that they were charged. The civil suit was settled August 3rd, 2011 for an undisclosed sum and agreement. I'm unsure why that's the case. I wonder if the documentary will release anything more about that because I think that is interesting that it's undisclosed, um, like that the fact that they even kind of settled. But before we discuss, I just want to remember Robert Wone. I want to talk a little bit about him as an individual um, because his death has been proven to be one of the most mysterious homicide cases in Washington, D.C. history because no one was charged in this case. And many people expect that the trio was involved, including the judge herself even kind of noted that she thinks she knows 
uh, they know what happened or who did it. Um, the Washington Blade stated that the case, quote, has captured the interest of the gay community because it occurred inside the home of a prominent gay male couple. And since Wone's death, multiple organizations have actually established scholarships and other memorials in his name. At least 10 scholarships I found online, um, but I wanted to just call out a few of them that he was an alumni of. Was the Robert E. Wone Clinical Fellowship at the University of Pennsylvania's Law School, including a room in the law school's civil practice clinic, as well as the College of William and Mary's, two benches, and two Chinese pistache trees in Wone's memory. As I said earlier, Robert Wone was just 32 years old when he was killed. He was a fourth generation Chinese American born in Manhattan, graduated from his high school as valedictorian of his class. He attended the College of William and Mary. He received his JD from the University of Pennsylvania's Law School. He served as a law clerk to Judge Raymond Jackson of the Federal District Court for the Eastern District of Virginia. He was very active within the Asian American community. The future U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder, who at the time worked at Wone's former employer Covington and Burling, called Wone quote, a kind and gentle man who was, quote, killed in the most horrible of ways. So just wanted to take a moment and talk a little bit about him and remember him and please be respectful in the comments or just in general. Really unfortunate what happened. Now, with that being said, wanted to quickly go into a little bit of the discussion and kind of some things that other people have pointed out on the internet, some things that I've noticed about the case. We have the the evidence that the neighbor heard the screaming. It was before 1135. But Zaborski made a 911 call at 1149. So the question is, why did it take them so long to call the police? You know, you think if you find your friend bleeding out, you would immediately pick up the phone and call the police. You wouldn't wait 10 minutes think about what you're going to do, etc. Paramedics did say that Robert was dead for a period of time. They didn't know how long exactly, but no blood was coming out of Robert at the time that they got there. And they got there in five minutes. So at that point, if he did recently get stabbed, it, he would have still been bleeding at the time that they got there. Now, there was a bloody towel found at the crime scene, but the pattern of the blood was not consistent with pressure to the wounds, but the pattern of the blood on the towels was, you know, kind of like a smear, I guess. That's a little striking that it seemed like they were trying to clean up something instead of stop a wound from bleeding out. But the dog alerted at the drain, and there was an uncoiled hose next to the drain. Now, everything in the house, according to the reports, was neat and tidy. And so it was very kind of out of place that the hose was uncoiled right next to the drain, which assuming they washed off, then they had to dry their clothes in the dryer. He may have been a victim of sexual assault as his semen was found in his own rectum, which is, I think, a very important piece to this, that there was like some sexual element there. I mean, these were three men living together in a family kind of relationship. The one of them had that like BDSM website that he was on and Dylan specifically had restraints and substantial number of items to be entered into anal cavities in his room. So it seemed to be like, you know, he was kind of into this aggressive play. <laughs> I don't know. So personally, I am not a lawyer. I'm not a detective. I am just a person on the internet, but I just, you know, have been interested in these things. But I personally believe that one of them did accidentally murder Robert Wone. I think potentially it was Dylan Ward, um, just because he was on floor number two as well. He wasn't the one kind of in the main relationship. He was the one with the, you know, thing, BDSM things in his room. And it's really unfortunate that they haven't had justice in this case. And I really hope that the documentary brings more light to it. Well, anyways, I hope you guys found this 
video interesting. We want justice for Robert Wone. I definitely want justice for Robert Wone. I'll put any relevant links in the description below. If you guys watched the documentary, let me know how you liked it. Let me know your opinions on the case as well below. And as I said before, if you are interested in true crime or paranormal, I post like a bunch on this channel. I'll see you guys next time here on Cauldron Capsule, baby.